Well, we're in this section, Luke chapter 4. Um, Luke is giving us a summary of what has been happening down in Capernaum. Jesus has been in Nazareth, his hometown, and in the synagogue uh, he's been rejected. They've driven him out. They would have killed him by throwing him over a cliff. But it wasn't the time, it wasn't the place, and miraculously he walked through the midst of them. But challenged in the synagogue, uh, the people say to him, uh, Whatever we have heard you do in Capernaum, do also here in your own town. That's uh, Luke 4.23. Do here in Nazareth what we've heard you've been doing in Capernaum. And so following this uh, Nazareth incident, Luke is inspired to tell us what had been going on uh, down in Capernaum. And last time I preached on a Sunday morning, we looked at the incident on that Sabbath day. Then a Saturday, now of course for us, uh, a Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Uh, the Christian Sabbath, the Sunday, but it was the Saturday then, the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath in the synagogue. That great event took place where the people were amazed. And he displayed his cosmic power. Uh, a demon was driven out of a possessed man and uh, Satan's power is being broken. It was a, a public, powerful display. It was dramatic, and the people were in awe as to what had happened that Sabbath day in Capernaum. Verses 36 and 37 of Luke 4. Then they were all, no one was left out here, they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So from Capernaum, it even reaches Nazareth. And when Jesus arrives in Nazareth, He's giving a, a discourse on Isaiah, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and the people are sort of approving of his, uh, his, uh, his uh, sermon, his message, but they want to see some miracles that they've heard about happening in Capernaum. Do hear what we heard you did in Capernaum. And uh, so Luke is now giving us a little summary of those things. But this dramatic event on that Sabbath day was public and it was dramatic. And now we come to verses 38 and 39. There's a real change in the tempo. And uh, what Jesus does will now be gentle and personal. It had been powerful and public. It will now be gentle and personal. He leaves the synagogue you and I will leave church at around about, I don't know, 5 to 12 or, or so. We'll sing a hymn and uh, we will leave this building. And uh, 2,000 years ago, almost now, uh, Jesus was in a worship service and he left. And as you will go to your homes, he went to a home uh, as well. So it was public and now it becomes something very personal. And there's something lovely here that uh, Jesus Christ is indeed the Lord of hosts. 
He commands galaxies, uh, Andromeda and the Milky Way and every one of the 200,000 million other galaxies containing thousands and millions of, of stars. He's commanding them. He's commanding, overseeing the concerns of uh, nations here on planet Earth. He's the Lord of hosts, but he's also the God of Jacob. He's the Lord of the multitudes. He's Lord of your life as well. He's concerned about you and me. He controls the galaxies. He moves the nations. They rise and they fall. We're thinking about a coming election and uh, our Prime Minister is being pretty cagey. The Lord Jesus Christ knows when it is. He knows the results. And no efforts of opposition or government or minor parties can thwart that or change that. He is in full control. But he's also concerned about you. And my friend this morning, he is able to fix you. Jesus goes to the home of his disciple Peter and there he finds that his wife's mother is unwell. Note, by the way, just in passing, Peter was married. Peter had a wife, just mentioned that in passing. But the mother-in-law, then Peter's mother-in-law, her situation is, he wouldn't say it's a desperate one, she was sick with a high fever. Now, I know that my son is at home at the moment. He hasn't gone to church because he has a high fever. Didn't have a good day yesterday. Didn't sleep much last night. He has a high fever and he's taken paracetamol. And uh, that should bring the fever down. But she had a high fever. She hasn't got kidney failure, she hasn't got liver disease, there's not a cancer that we know about, she's got a high fever. So her temperature is around about 39, a fever about 38, a high fever 39, or in old money 102 degrees Fahrenheit, I remember 98.4 as normal, it's now 36.7, I had to learn these new units, but uh, 100 used to be a fever, 102 a high fever, 39. So she's in bed, she's at home, it's the Sabbath day, she didn't go to the synagogue, she's feeling pretty lousy, you do, with a fever, and she has no appetite. And in come the party from church, there's Peter, and uh, probably Peter's uh, wife, and uh, Jesus has come for lunch as well. Uh, the morning service has finished in the synagogue, and what a service it had been! And there's a buzz uh, around Capernaum. All that's been taking place in the synagogue that day, they've never seen anything like it, and so the people, guess what they're talking about? Well, they're not talking about the chariot race from the day before, they're not talking about the gladiators who'll be performing in the next village in a couple of days' time and getting flyers out for that. They're talking about what happened that morning in the synagogue. It, it has gripped them. The wonderful works of the Lord Jesus Christ. His wonderful works. And they, 
The thing I want to, to point out, the wonderful works of Jesus didn't finish at the end of the Sabbath synagogue service. They continued in Peter's home. Wherever Jesus is, he is continuing to work. And I don't know what we see here this morning, but I'm praying if we're the Lord's people, we, we want to see Jesus. Sirs, we would see Jesus. Now, we see him with the eye of faith, through the word, with that wonderful, vital aid of uh, God, the Holy Spirit, making these things real uh, to us. But when Jesus left the synagogue service, he didn't clock off, as it were. He has been speaking and he will continue to work in Peter's home. And as we leave here, again, I don't know the time, around about 5 to 12, 11.55, Jesus will continue to be working. As he has spoken amongst us here this morning, following the service, we need to reflect on what he said. So, as we sit in the pews, it's not a difficult thing. Well, what did he say? To, how did you find that? What was he saying to you? Or that hymn, or that little phrase that was used in the prayer, that, that struck me, it's a service as, as a whole. Is he speaking? As you get into your cars and journey home, and the children in the back, and the conversation goes to uh, Jesus strong and kind and, and sign uh, language and what did you do in Sunday school who was your teacher today and what was the lesson and you'll find they'll maybe have to scratch their heads and think about it even though it was only 20 minutes ago but tease it out of them draw it out of them and talking and then round the dinner table uh, what an opportunity that as you get to your homes Jesus is still working and he is still speaking uh, if we would reflect and we would converse together like those folks in Malachi's time, the people who feared the Lord spoke together and the Lord made a book of remembrance and wrote down these things. They shall be mine, said the Lord, on that day when I make up my precious uh, jewels. So Jesus arrives in Peter's home and he hears the news. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and recommended to paracetamol. Now nothing wrong with that. And that's what he might well recommend. I'm sure he does recommend, unless you're allergic to it uh, today, because he will use means, and thank God for medical science. Oh, I'll just pray. Well, he's giving you paracetamol. <laughs> Ibuprofen, another one. Uh, take, take them, take them. But they weren't around 2,000 years ago. Maybe there's some mashed up root that could have been uh, had and, and, and applied and nothing wrong with trying that, but Jesus was, was there and so they turned to him. He rebuked the fever and it left her. And here's the wonderful thing. And immediately she arose and served them. There was no delay here. She was up and she was actively Serving Now, if you've had a fever recently or a high fever, it takes a little while 
to recover. It can leave you feeling pretty tired and lethargic. But Peter's mother-in-law, immediately, she was up and doing what she wanted to be doing all day long anyway, but wasn't able to because of this fever. She's up and she's serving them, getting the meal ready. Well, here's a little application for us uh, straight away. Spiritually, are you a believer here this morning? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you a, a story of how he saved you? Being a Christian is not just acknowledging certain things intellectually. It's not being born in Britain. It's not being a regular attender at church. Uh, Christians do regularly attend church, but Christianity is more than that. It's a relationship with God, a living relationship. It's not dead religion, it's living religion. It's relationship with him, knowing him, not just about him. And it's only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made an end to our sin. We trust in Christ. Our sin is dealt with. We come to know God the Father. Now, do you have a story of that? And initially, we can be enthusiastic and we're serving well. And we long to be at the meetings. I remember... The first time I was working uh, for the Heath, 1987, we arrived, two little children, and uh, Sunday nights they had to uh, be in bed by a certain time. It meant one of us couldn't go to the evening service. Well, we had a, a loose agreement as to who would go, but there almost used to be fights. Well, it's my turn tonight. No, it's, it's, my, it's my turn. Where is the blessedness I knew? Where's that zeal? Where's that eagerness? Midweeks. It's great to see the room filled on Wednesday. It was the biggest number I've seen at a midweek meeting in the two years I've been back at the Heath. Will it be that full this Wednesday? Or will it be fuller? Will we have to, as remember in days gone by, open up the extension bit and people going into there? Why not? Why not? Is there a, an eagerness putting aside other things? And spiritually, we can catch a cold, and the symptoms are lethargy and a lack of hunger, and there's an inactivity. And we can be at home when really we know, we know deep down where we need to be, but we just can't stir ourselves. We can't. Stir ourselves. What, what's the answer? Well, it's not a visit from the pastor. <laughs> I tried that. I tried that one. And unless the spirit is moving. So I think the great work of any church is, is prayer, not to badger people. We can remind, certainly. I think there's an appropriate time to do that. But the only answer is a fresh vision. We're going to finish with this hymn before too long. It's a, a, a prayer. Give me a sight, O Saviour, of thy wondrous love to me, the love that brought thee down to earth to die on Calvary. Make me understand it. It's a prayer. I can't make you, you can't make me understand it. We get offended, we get upset, we get annoyed. 
We can pray for each other. We can look for opportunities. Pray to God. We caught a cold spiritually. We do catch cold spiritually. It's part of life here on planet Earth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth isn't in us. Are we a bit like Peter's mother-in-law this morning? Or we dragged ourselves here, but really, really, our hearts are somewhere else. Make me understand it. Help me to take it in. What it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. Was it the nails, O Saviour, that bound thee to the tree? Nay, t'was thine everlasting love, thy love for me, for me. O wonder of all wonders, that through thy death for me, it's not religion, it's what Christ has done for us, God has done for us, in Christ, through thy death for me, my open sins, my secret sins, can all forgive me. Then, well, here's a wonderful prayer. We'll, these are the, this is the last verse we'll sing together this morning. Then melt my heart, O Saviour. This is this restoration. Bend me, yes, break me down until I owe thee, only conqueror and Lord and sovereign crown. Oh, little application there. The restoration of Peter's mother-in-law. So, gentle and personal. Now we have the general practitioner three gps this morning the first was the longer one second is uh, shorter and the third one is very short but now we've gone from gentle and personal to the general practitioner verses 40 to 41 when the sun was setting so for the jew that's the end of the the sabbath the sun sets on the sabbath day sabbath is over when the sun was setting all those who had any so all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. I imagine it's outside Peter's uh, mother's, mother-in-law's home then, or is it Peter's home and she's... Anyway, it's this home. They, they brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying... You are the Christ, the Son of God. They didn't say it with any note of praise, but a note of horror. He hadn't come to save them. Have you come to condemn us? It's surely not the day yet. No, it wasn't the day. But he was dealing with them. He's suppressing the works of the devil. He's plundering the strong man's house. He rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. They'd seen him before in those realms of glory. Here is Jesus now dealing with various needs that are brought to him. The general practitioner. Now, doctors, we've got a few doctors in the uh, membership, and uh, we all know uh, doctors, and uh, we need them. We certainly need them. There are two rough areas, divisions of doctors. You can either be a a general practitioner where you know a little about a lot. So in comes somebody. It could be anything. I wonder about doctors. I don't know how you cope. Uh, you press the buzzer and uh, maybe a voice goes with a tannoy. What was that? Was that me? And then they repeat it again. You just catch your name and you didn't quite get the... Anyway, you end up and you're in... In the room, well, what, what's, the, what's the difficulty? What's the, why have you come to see me today? 
And there's a, a need, and you describe it, and a general practitioner knows a little about a lot. And some things he can deal with, others he says, well, I'm going to send you to see a consultant. And they are specialists, and they know a lot about a little. See, if you've got a kidney problem, you'll go and see the, uh, the nephrologist, and, uh, but don't tell him about your big toe. He hasn't got a clue. He knew it once, but why should he bother now? No, he's there to deal with uh, kidneys, and so he's the expert. He knows a lot about a little, but Jesus, well, what a wonderful combination because he doesn't know a lot about a lot. He knows everything about everything, and that is wonderful. And everyone who came that day, no one was turned away. All the people brought all those who had any problems, and he healed the lot of them. Everybody, nothing was too complicated. Even demons were exercised and driven out of people who'd been so sadly possessed or oppressed. Jesus is both the GP, he is the consultant. The Sabbath was over, so there's no danger now from the religious people. And uh, Jesus Christ is able to deal with any situation. So whoever you are this morning, he's able to meet your Need. Do I believe in healings today? Of course, of course. Now, generally, he will use medical facilities. That's him. That's him. Of course, it's him. Who else is it? It's not the doctor. Doctors are amazed at times. You know, they scratch their heads. There was a lady uh, in my son's church where he worships in Newtown. She came to Newtown to be near her family because her cancer was terminal. A few months later, she goes for a scan and the doctor is gobsmacked and amazed. It's gone. Now, people in the world say, well, what a stroke of luck that is. Oh, it's God. And he's kind, even to those who think nothing of him. Of course, he's able to deal with physical ailments and we're allowed to pray we're allowed to ask. There's a friend of uh, my wife's and uh, she has a difficult diagnosis and uh, she's a believer and she's bearing up well. And she said to my wife the other week, I've asked him for 10 more years. And my wife's quite right. She said, well, you, we can ask. He might say no, but we can ask. Hezekiah, how many years did he ask for? Yeah, 15, 15 and he had them, I'm not too sure they were the best years of his life. A lot of difficulties, but God did answer his heartfelt prayer for those 15 years. Physical ailments, yes, he can heal, but I want to tell you something more wonderful. There is something more intractable and difficult than physical ailments. And, and, and speaking to Christians now, uh, again, um, there are these miracle healing services you see advertised. Come with your, and uh, whatever disease, and you go out the front and they'll lay hands on and they'll, they'll pray. You know, I, sadly, a, a lot of that you have to have great doubts about, and it's highlighted, the, the physical. But no doubt God can heal. He can heal miraculously, even without medical intervention. This lady in, in Newtown, uh, what a wonderful deliverance from a physical difficulty. But there are many unseen difficulties in a congregation. 
the most difficult healings are healings of relationships that get so easily broken. Intractable. Difficult. I tell you, somebody who's able to solve them. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He can do things which we think are impossible. He can restore fellowship. He can heal the broken-hearted. Much allusion to this in the prophecies of the Old Testament. He's come to heal the broken-hearted. He can restore relationships. And they need to be restored. Because there it's where the Lord commands the blessing, where we're dwelling together in this joyful unity. But the chief relationship he's come to restore, and this is your greatest need, my friend. If you haven't got this, then your physical healings and your relationship healings will count for nothing in eternity because you need to be restored to God. God made you to know Him. You're made to know Him and to rejoice in Him, and that is life, knowing the Creator, not just knowing about Him. And all that stops that knowledge of Him, I say all, it's a mighty thing, but it's a little word, it's sin. And sin is what we are. We are sinners, therefore we sin, we do things wrong. But the essence of sin is going your own way, living without reference to the God who gives you life and breath and sustenance in, in every way, uh, he's the one who keeps your heart beating right now. And there are those who go around just ignoring him. Would you ignore the one who, if you had a heart machine and he, somebody uh, at a distance had a remote control switch on your heart machine, would you just ignore them? I'm sure you'd be checking on their well-being and making sure they're still uh, around and making sure they had all their, their needs. But this, this divine being is keeping your heart beating, your cells dividing in the right Manner, he gives you food and air. It's lovely to breathe. It's his air. What is sin? Taking all his goodness and ignoring him is a terrible thing. And it will end in an eternal death and judgment. But there is an answer. It's not religion. It's not church going. It's not your prayers. It's not stand up, sit down. It's not reading the Bible or going to church enough times. It's Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect life on your behalf, and then he dies to bear the wages of your sin and my sin. It fell on him on Calvary as the eternal Son of God. He is infinite in his person. As a man, he can represent you and I, and he stands in our place on Calvary, and God the Father, according to an eternal plan, pours out on his own son the eternal wrath that you and I deserve. And Calvary was hell on earth 2,000 years ago. No, oh, I don't believe in a God who'd send people to hell. Well, my friends, his love is demonstrating this way. To stop you going there, he went there himself. That's what the cross is. He announces the penalty and he takes it himself. And he died, he was buried. How do we know that he really took away my sin? The resurrection. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Death defeated, sin defeated, hell sealed over, the gates of heaven not only opened up, they're taken off their hinges. And so through the Spirit and the Word, I can say to you with the authority of God, come that your sins might be forgiven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And with that belief comes a repentance. It has to do for what you are, a sinner before a holy God. 
hell-deserving. But thanks be to God for the Lord Jesus Christ who lived for you, died for you, and rose again. And that's the healing that you desperately need here this morning. The general practitioner. Finally, very briefly, the great priority, verses 42 to 44. Now, when it was day, so it's the next day now, their Sunday will be our Monday, Monday morning, setting off for work, school, etc. Jesus, he departed and went to, into a deserted place. And we're pretty sure, I'd be pretty sure, he's gone there to pray. Some place of solitude. He's having his quiet time. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. They want him to stay. Make Capernaum the place where you stay. Don't go anywhere else. This is too... Oh, to have you in the village, in the town, in the city. Wow. No more sickness, no more disease, no more demons. Wonderful services. Stay. Stay. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. His priority is to preach to all and to make the message clear. And the message that he preaches, he reveals his person, he is the eternal Son of God, and he reveals his purpose, I have come that you might have life, and life as it's meant to be. How do we get that life? Another sermon preached by Jesus. I have come not to be served, but to serve. And to give my life, says Jesus, as a ransom for many. We've had the gospel. The ransom was the cross. He pays your ransom fee that you might be released from sin's bondage and the wages and the penalty. You might be set free here and now to know sin's forgiven, peace with God. And this is wonderful, the certainty of heaven to come because it doesn't depend on me, it depends on him. So it's certain. Believe. Repent. Believe. Trust in him. Priority was his preaching. He's come to do us good. And he wouldn't stay in one location. And by his spirit, he's all the world over. He doesn't clock off at, it is 5 to 12 now, so I'm about to, to finish. But he won't be clocking off. I'm going to go home and have my roast dinner cooked by my daughter-in-law, actually. Not my mother-in-law, but my daughter-in-law is in charge of the roast chicken dinner today. But Jesus will be there. And whatever you are having, may he meet with you in your car on the way home and over your dinner table and uh, back together again this evening. And may the cold symptoms disappear as we take that uh, sight of Jesus Christ and uh, bring the kids again uh, tonight and uh, even bring the little ones. We've got, uh, we've got one baby who comes regularly on Wednesdays, and she's here again uh, this morning. Bring, bring them, bring them. If Oh, wouldn't it be great to have a creche on a Wednesday night? If there was a need, we'd have a creche 
as well. But make sure you get saved this morning by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, if you need that paracetamol, spiritual paracetamol, really pray this final hymn with all your hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a brief time in your word. Thank you for the wonderful works of the Lord Jesus Christ last time, public and powerful. And here this morning, we're thinking about the gentle and personal and the general practitioner and the great priority. He is so wonderful. May he be more and more wonderful to each and every one of us. Amen. Well, let's sing that final hymn together. 205 in the hymn books. Give me a sight, O Saviour.
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.